Happy Black History Month, everybody. Fourth episode, episode four, season two, episode four, the second episode of the Black History Month Beyond series. Um, This is Voices Power Podcast, a podcast for the black and underrepresented community at Coastal Carolina, but not only the population at Coastal Carolina, but everyone, everywhere. Uh, You know, I always say we have listeners of all different ages, backgrounds, lived experiences, and, and in different places. So it's a podcast for everyone. Um, this is the fourth episode and the second episode of the Black History Month Beyond series. But more importantly, today, tonight, today, February 7th, when I'm recording, which is yesterday, technically, when this drops, it'll be yesterday. Um, I just want to give a special shout out to my grandmother. Happy birthday, Mimi. I love you. Um, I will see you soon. Um, but happy birthday to you. Um, so just wanted to give you that shout out when you listen to this. Um, even though it'll be on a different day and you'll probably listen to it days later, but happy birthday, um, February 7th and happy birthday to her twin sister as well. Happy birthday Aunt Nail. So happy birthday to the both of them. Uh, happy black history month, everyone. Um, yeah, still black history month. Happy black history month. Again, second episode of the black history month beyond series, a series that, that emphasizes the fact that Black history celebration and empowerment should not be limited to just one month. So for the next two months, two and some months, we'll be um, spotlighting a different faculty, staff, administrator um, here on the campus of Coastal Carolina University. So um, our our next guest, this episode's guest, is someone that I talk to on a daily and um, hold very, very good conversations with. So um, we got Daya back on this one. She's she's going to be in this uh, conversational piece with with this this guest. So um, I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. And I hope you guys enjoy Episode four, um, the second episode of the series, the Black History Month Beyond series, a series to highlight or emphasize the fact that black history, celebration, and empowerment should not be limited to just one month. So um, this series will go through all of February, um, all of March, and maybe some of the, what is the next month? I don't know the next. April, April. April, and maybe some of April. So um, we're going to continue on on the series. The first one for me was very, 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 very good. Uh, I'm thinking that this one will match that same energy and also be very, 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 very good. Um, I have Daya back with me. Yay! Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Okay, come on. We're sharing a mic, so the audio is going to be a little bit weird, but you're going to have to get closer. Me? Yes. Like, closer. Like, hi, guys. Precisely. Okay. Okay. Um, our second guest for the series, um, someone new to Coastal Carolina, but... One of my favorite people. Someone that we've both, um grew to have a very strong connection with and we're very appreciative of them and and our relationship has grown in the what seven months that we've known eight eight months that we've known everybody this is a real like bond i love it (laughs) but our second guest is um mr joshua moore who is the director director of the intercultural and inclusion student services goodness We're going to try that again. Our second guest is Joshua Moore, Director of Intercultural and Inclusion Student Services here at Coastal Carolina. Um, did I do that? I messed it up? No, 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 go ahead. It says it right there. It's a tongue twister. It is. Director of Intercultural and Inclusion Student Services. I have good eyes. We're going to be this far away. Keep talking. So, um, again, yeah, like I said, our, our guest today is going to be Joshua Moore, um, the director in the year's office. How are you feeling today? You know, I'm good. Um, it's the weekend. Um, I'm spending this afternoon with a couple of my favorite folks here at Stop CCU. It. So uh, took a break from meal prepping, um, trying to do better, eat better, you know. Be better, period. Be better, you know. I'm here trying to be great in this right. world that don't want me to be. So we have a few questions for you. Um, we We went over this a little bit, but... Um, we're just going to have a good conversation, but we do have a few questions for you. I'll let Daya go ahead and ask the first one. Okay. So, all right. Hi guys again. Hi. All right. So my first question is you came from what school to here? 
Um, I was at Wittenberg University prior to coming here. Okay, so how was your? Tra- I didn't want to mess the name up. How was your transition from Wittenberg to Coastal, like mentally and physically? Um, so let's approach it from a holistic lens first, and then we'll kind of break it down okay. uh, into the two. Um, moving here was interesting because it happened in the midst of the pandemic, and so um, interviewing moving, finding movers, finding an apartment. I, everything was done over the phone and on Zoom. And so I didn't really see anything as far as like what I was coming into until I got here. And so I didn't see my apartment until I, the day I showed up to pick up keys. I didn't see my office until a month after I started the job. Okay. Um, and so it was interesting. It was definitely a, a new feel because uh, typically I would have flown out here, spent some time in Conway, Myrtle Beach, on campus, all of that. Um, but then also for me personally, um, I moved here um, in the midst of some mental and physical health uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why I like you all know me. I'm a big, big advocate, huge advocate of taking care of yourself um, and prioritizing your peace and your time and your space. Yes. Um, because if we allow the world and our professional spaces to, to take up all of who we are, is going to manifest through our bodies, whether our bodies are wanting to shut down on us, um, our mind starts playing tricks and games on us. And so it's very important that when I moved here that I set boundaries with myself um, so that I could maintain my health um, holistically. And so both of you all know that when I say I'm off, I mean that. Um, and I, I, respect, I respect y'all and value y'all. But if I'm not well, I can't show up for y'all in the ways I want to. And so I think for me, this move here was also a professional move, but for the most part, it was a personal move because I moved here to reclaim my peace and, okay. and take it back because the world tried to reclaim take it from me. Peace. Oh, mm-hmm. period. Okay. <laughs> so your transition, um, again, like you said, about eight months ago now, um, but you you are here at Coastal. You're probably we're gonna throw this back to the last episode. One of my I favorite. I was about to say <laughs> you came for that one. Overton, if you're listening, there's the one of thing again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so you're here at Coastal now. Could you talk a little bit about your position here at Coastal and what you do for the university? Yeah. Um, so as stated before, I'm the director of intercultural and inclusion student services. Yes, the name is long. Yes, it could be a tongue twister. Yes. Um, so I give you grace in that regard. Um, but I think for me here um, at the institution, I am one of the individuals that works to ensure that that, that space is provided um, for our historically underrepresented populations as it relates to race, ethnicity, um, sexual orientation, gender expression, gender identity, um, anything um, that society deems as not good enough um, mm-hmm. or whatnot. We like to we hope we like to promote um, those identities as being good enough and, and pr- provide a space of value and affirmation. Um, so that if you don't go anywhere else on campus, you can walk into one of these two doors and feel like this is home for you. And so we we, we do that through um, just being present. Um, our offices are open, um, but also through our uh, five initiatives that we have, as well as some of the programming that we do throughout campus. And so there's a team of three of us um, that work to do this stuff professionally, but it would not be successful if it were not for students such as you two um, that show up every day, every and, day. and help us. Um, me. He just said he me. Said you too. He just said me. There's enough room at the table for all of us to be great and succeed. Um, y'all hear me preach about that a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, we are just here to provide a space on campus um, for students to feel like like this is a homework from home. You spoke about some initiatives and organizations here on campus that run through the IS office. Could you just touch on those briefly, like what those are? Yeah, so we have our African American Initiative for Males, which was started, I believe, in two thousand nine. Why, why did that one have to be first? Because it's the first on the wall. Woo, uh, woo. On the window. Um, <laughs> you said for males, right? For males, yes, for men. We're going right back at Overton because Overton said something about that in the last episode too. It's, it says for males on the wall, sir. Goodness, but you can continue now. Okay, uh, I wasn't trying to cause any issue. So he, I think it's just, uh, it's just He's brother ready. Travis. We're not trying to start nothing. Um, but no, so we, so, so we have our African-American Initiative for Males, um, which is an, uh, an initiative that promotes brotherhood and a sense of belonging for all men on Coastal's campus, um, but understanding that the focus of a lot of the conversations uh, center the voice or the narrative of the African-American or black male. Um, we have our women of color. Yes, um, shout out to me. our women. Um, our unapologetically colored women, period. 
women of color. Colored is an outdated term. You're right. Rooted in racism and prejudice. Um, So women of color. Um, But we, uh, WAC is here and present and active um, for our women or those who identify as women um, to be be involved and have similar conversations as AIM, um, but really wanting to promote the excellence that comes along with being a woman of color. Um, we have our SNAP mentoring program, which is stands for Students Navigating mm-hmm. and Advising Peers. Um, and that is our peer, peer mentor program um, that allows first-year students to be partnered with an upper-class student to kind of serve as a resource, as a guide, as they navigate CCU. Shout um, out to our mentees. A shout out. But our, our target population um, for the mentees are, are under our historically underrepresented, so first-gen um, African American, Latinx, um, LGBTQIA, um, but it's open to any student that wishes to be involved. But that's our target population. Um, we also have our leadership challenge, which um, has been around for a while, um, but it's actually undergoing a rebrand process right now. So look okay. out for the fall semester as some new and exciting things will emerge out of that space. Okay. Um, and then we also have our LGBTQIA initiatives, which is also undergoing some advancement and development right now. Um, and so we, currently we have our Queer Coffee Hour um, as well as our Safe Zone trainings that are currently operated out of that space. And so that's kind of where we are. Okay. So with all those initiatives and organizations that you spoke about, what is something or what are some things that you want to implement or bring to Coastal? Is office, is office. So some, some things I would like to see come out of the is office at CCU is one, um, we will forever and always um, honor the legacy and traditions that were set forth by Miss um, Pat Singleton Young, who was the founding one of the founding directors of this office yes. um, many years Pat. ago. So um, shout out to Miss Pat. I've, I've never had an Ms. opportunity Pat. to meet her. Me I've heard either. wonderful things about her Same. Um, and look forward to meeting her sometime in the future, post-COVID. But yeah, so so really, really uh, staying true to honoring that legacy, but also um, finding ways to be innovative um, to where we can still keep the impact the way it has been and providing that space um, for students to feel belonging, but also um, explore some new ways of doing things. And so keeping some of the, the history and tradition alive, but looking forward to new ways. And that's the ways in which we engage our students. And so such as avenues like this, that like everything doesn't have to be a program in person. Like what, how, how are we engaging students online? Um, and things of that nature. And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm open um, to really exploring all of what this means. There's a lot of newness happening here at CCU. Um, so as I'm still learning the place, um, I think that there's some opportunities um, to advance and grow. Um, ultimately, I would love to see the space grow in size um, at some point in time. Just putting that office. out in. Just putting that out in the atmosphere. Your own um, what? I need my own office in here, so we're going to have to go need a... Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of great plans, um, a lot that are still in development, and so it's kind of <laughs> hard to really talk about one specific thing. Like my office. Um, but I think the, 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 the main thing I want to share is that finding ways to keep the honor, to keep the legacy and tradition alive. Um, that was set forth by Ms. Pat Singleton Young as my main priority, um, but also um, keeping up with um, the ways in which our students like to be engaged. And I think the pandemic offered us an interesting um, opportunity to kind of reevaluate how that's done. Okay, okay. On the topic of uh, Ms. Pat Singleton Young, I never got a chance to meet her uh, either, either, but um, for those listening, if you are a student, there is a scholarship available um, online. It's called the Pat Singleton Young endowed alumni scholarship something like that i think i'm spot on so um go on web advisor go into apply for scholarships or search for scholarships and you'll you'll find it on there um but i'm going to take it back and and touch on your first question uh the first question that we asked you and and we're just going to go um into mental health and physical health again to do that one okay you want to you want to continue to ask the question do you know what you're asking yeah Yes. Okay. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you know what you're asking? You don't know. What you're... Kinda, but go ahead. No, no. Go so ahead. So you you shared a you shared a story with us about um your mental and physical health. Um, how important in the black community is it that we find outlets for our mental health and 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 really take care of our mental health because the stigma behind it is is kind of to just push it aside and and pray um, about it like, and pray about it and and just you know keep pushing. You have to be strong. So. 
could you talk to what it means, um, what your mental health means to you as a black man? Um, I think as a black man, um, I think mental health, I'm going to say black person because I think it goes beyond gender too. But I think um, mental health is something that is not promoted heavily within um the black community and I'm speak and and as I speak I'm also speaking from my own narrative my own experience um or whatnot and so I know growing up um whenever we experienced anything several things came to mind which was um stop being a sissy you need to man up or um pray about it God will work you through it or yes. you worried about the wrong things and so all of that um, was internalized until where when I hit adulthood and went off to college and I would experience things, I internalized it. It was like, oh, if I go seek help, that's a sign of weakness. And really conformed into um, the ways in which which was actually doing damage to myself. And mm-hmm. so when we talk about um, physical health, mental health has a way, not, not taking care of yourself mentally can have a way of manifesting through your physical health. And so um, to share a little personal background, um, the last two years, uh, my anxiety and depression took a spike um, to a point where the last maybe 15 to 18 months, um, my body was just going through this process of like, we don't know what's going on with you. We don't like this. Uh, many therapy sessions and many doctor's appointments and, and all of these um, procedures later, the root of my issue was I was not taking care of myself mentally. I was letting my anxiety and depression go unmedicated and all those things to the point where my body was just quitting on me. Um, and so for me, that was a sign that it's time for me to take care of myself and be realistic and step away from what I knew growing up. Um, while I am a man of faith and I believe in a higher power, um, but I also believe that 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 a therapist is helpful, uh, somebody to talk to is helpful, somebody to just to affirm you it's okay to you know do those things. And from that, um, I've learned to take better care of myself. I'm mindful of what I allow in my body, and I mean that from the foods that I eat, uh, but also from the from, from the things I choose to hear and listen to. Um, so there's some times where, um, and and I love my friends and my family for allowing me to do this. But there's times where they call, and I'm very honest. I'm like, I don't have it today. I don't want to hear that. I can't hear that. Can we? talk about it later or can you talk to someone else about that because I may not be the right one for you but then even make them more healthier food options and so really 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 prioritizing myself um, is, is what I learned at the end of the day and I think taking care of yourself mentally um, is prioritizing yourself and and one thing my therapist said to me and I, that I think is pretty said, said pretty heavily amongst um, amongst the, ther- the, the therapy community is that saying no to someone else is saying yes to yourself. And so when are you going to say yes to yourself um, or whatnot? Because saying yes to someone else is saying no to you. And so how are you, how long are you going to continue neglecting yourself for the sake of other people? And so it taught me to really take care of myself. And so my space is my space, my peace is my peace, and nothing or no one can interrupt that. And that, that was my, my biggest takeaway from the last two to three years. So this is just not even a question for you, but just to make a comment on what you were saying, like how you're saying you are a man of faith, you do believe in a higher power, but you are also like, you know that seeing a therapist isn't a bad idea. And because it is Sunday, I went and listened to the word this morning. and So did I. Yeah, so they was talking about, look, the pastors was talking about how pride can get in the way of so many things for you and how when you when you let your pride step in the way how God can actually take you sometimes into that mental state of like not being okay to snap you out of that pride so like that's a big thing I think among the black community is our pride is too big for that like we have too many things that we need to be doing to have problems with our mental health so but yeah, but, but but to even just add a comment to that, I think we've been conditioned and socialized to think that way. Because when you yes. think back to um, even um, when the days when our ancestors were enslaved and we just had to push through the conditions that we were in at the time. So there was no time to, you know, cry about issues. There was no time to, to be down and out about our, our, our situations because that's what we had at the time. But I think as the... 
as society has evolved, so have we. And mm-hmm. so we have to catch up with it sometimes. And so, like, while we can still honor our faith and, and still be a believer in whatever higher power it is, but also knowing that that higher power puts things and people in our in our way to help us. Yes. And that's how I view my therapist. Like, that's my yes. person. Like, yes. that's the person I know is there for a reason. So, so that if I need somebody to verbally say, I affirm you and that you're approaching this or doing this the right way, or have you thought about doing it this way? That's, for me, that's God telling me that it's okay for me to do that and make exactly. that move. And I don't have to feel like I'm contradicting my faith by going to see a therapist. Exactly. Because they were here for a reason i mean if we ain't need them they wouldn't be here mm-hmm. as my granny used to say god gave you five cents so he gave me the sense to go see somebody that's what my daddy <laughs> said my daddy said god told you to have faith he didn't tell you to be stupid mm-hmm. as harsh as it is that's what mm-hmm. he's right he's right yep. so i agree Y'all done took everybody to church today. And Amen. It's, it's Sunday as we record, but it'll be Monday when y'all hear this. But, oh, true, true, true. Um, I forgot about that. All good things that were said. I think that a lot of the things that were, that were touched on in this conversation um, through this one question are, are very important for people to hear about and, and really talk about themselves and understand better themselves what they may need. Because if, if there are people that listen that are not religious and, and don't seek God in times like this, you still have to... Um, or it, it is still possible for you to confide in someone and for them to, you know, give you what you need um, in terms in terms of of like someone to just talk to and things like that. So there's there's things to take away in, in everything that was said. Um, I'm going to switch gears and talk a little bit more um, about your who you are as a person and um, the mental health things. But we're going to take a different turn on it. We've had conversations before um, about um, how the Black Lives Matter movement has two separate agendas and, and or multiple different agendas when it all should be one um, one thing because you, if I can recall correctly, you said it's not or it seems as if you're either this or black or, and, and it doesn't need to be that way. Can you talk a little bit about um, the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community um, as well as being black? Yeah, um, I think at the end of the day, um, my prominent or primary identity um, will always be a black man because that's what people see without me even saying a word to them. Um, But I think for me growing up, and so again, a lot of what I'm sharing is coming from my own personal narrative and not not a general sense, um, I've learned that you had to be black first and you couldn't be and this or and that and so I think as I've gotten older um then even in the the most the 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 last few years with the um peak of the Black Lives Matter movement that really had me really leaning into um when we talk about black lives what does that mean um and I think this is a much larger conversation happening um in society of when we talk about Black Lives Matter are we including LGBTQIA black lives are we including trans black lives um, and all of those things and I think we have to kind of kind of going back to what you said earlier putting our egos and our prides to the side and understanding that at the end of the day the common thing that all of these communities share is that we're all black and so all of our lives should matter regardless of how we identify and I think oftentimes um, we encounter individuals um, that allow other um I'm trying to think of the word they allow other thought processes and all those type of things influence what they define as black lives and so if you run into someone that's super religious um, when they talk about black lives they may not be including lgbtqia or trans people um, because to them you know we're not god created and that the, you know and, and all those things so i think it's very important that we align along the basis of race and at the end of the day we're all black regardless of how we identify who we choose to love or how we choose to express how we how we are to the public um and so i think until we get to that point we're always going to have this conflict within the community um and so i think for in order for black lives matter to really matter and be valued and be important um is we have to also be open to understanding that a black life is a black life regardless of how they identify have you experienced any troubles or prejudice um, in any 
position that you've been in um, towards not only being a part of the LGBTQ community, but being a black man as well? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, um, I, I think it's more so along the lines of my identity as a black male um, than anything. Because, uh, again, like I stated, that's the one thing people see and know just upon looking at me. Um, and so I think I've always I've always made sure that my full self shows up in the room. And so whenever uh, I'm introducing someone, they know who I am, all of who I am um, or whatnot, because that does influence my perspective. Um, but I think upon meeting me, um, I've oftentimes run into a lot of issues um, with with our with my white counterparts on on my on, on me being a black male um, or whatnot, and then once I fully open up about who I am in my fullness, sometimes it goes left, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I'm but I'm always true to who I am, and, and that's the one thing that I won't sacrifice. Because one thing I learned um, in graduate school is never, never compromise who you are for the comfort of other people. And so I've always made sure that I am who I am. And if you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Okay. Okay. So with that, with you saying all that and being, I'm, I don't know, shout out to Dr. Hollis for giving me the word unapologetically because that is now stuck in my vocabulary. But um, with you being unapologetically you, what is advice because okay so you said that you've learned you've been learning you've been growing as you've been going through school shout out to almost dr moore almost almost (laughs) dr moore we're almost there how do you what advice do you have to give to people that go through the same thing in a work setting or even in a school setting in any setting i think for me is you have to get to a point where you don't seek affirmation from other people um, and I think for me, um, that stemmed from many other issues from growing up, um, being the the heavier kid in the crew, um, having those insecurities, but then also growing up in a predominantly white town where our comparison was to white people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay. also not rec- but then leaning into the narrative that I'm always going to be second. I'm always going to fall second to somebody. So it wasn't until I went to college. And I met other like-minded black folks. And that's where my unapologetic, unapologetic journey started because we affirmed each other. We didn't need affirmation from our white counterparts to define our excellence. Like, we defined our excellence. And I think, too, so my, my advice is to figure out what your excellence is and thrive in that. Because I think we have to stop seeking affirmation from other people. That's easier said than done. But I think the more you lean into who you are and what you're good at, that process gets easier. And so I think for me, mindfulness is a thing. Um, Even now, um, as a whole professional, there are sticky notes on my mirror every morning that I see that says you are enough. You're in the right place. You are worthy of having all that you have and more. And so I I find ways to keep affirming affirming myself because the world will try to strip you of that. The world will try to tell you that you're not good enough. You're not worthy of being where you are. Imposter syndrome is a thing. Um, But I think the more that you pour into yourself and surround yourself around people who will pour into you, um, that process gets easier. And so I think my my advice, I said a lot to to get to this point, but my advice to people that are really trying to find their unapologetic voice um, is to um, really consider who you surround yourself with. And are they pouring into you or are they taking away? Because if they are drying you out like a sponge, get rid of them. Um, and find your find people that pour into you, that affirm you, and that value and love you, and 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 appreciate you for who you are, as you are, but are willing to help you grow at the same time. Um, real quick, shout out to my other best friend Alima for doing that every day. I love you. You are the best. <laughs> the sticky notes thing is definitely a thing. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. I, who? Oh, my mother put sticky notes on my mirror when I was back home. So. Shout out that. to you, we mamas. We really love that. Um, but you said a few different things, and I gotta, I want to touch on all of them. But real quick, can you just talk about imposter syndrome and what that is? Yeah. Whew, For people who don't, who might not know. Yeah. So I'm going to give y'all the Josh version, because okay. I know that there's a scholarly definition, but I don't know it off my top of my head, but I'm going to do my best to uh, to spit it out. But no, imposter syndrome is where... Um, You may be in a space that you're qualified for, you're competent enough to be in, but yet you still don't feel good enough. 
um, I, I'll share my own personal story. I started a doctoral program in 2016. Um, I graduated undergrad. Thank you, Lottie. And, you know, <laughs> I got through. I got finished. Amen. Uh, but then I went to get a master's degree where my very first semester, my very first professor looked at me in my eye and said, I think you've made a mistake. I don't think you belong in graduate school. Um, you're not a good writer. And I don't think you're a good student. Okay. Uh, and so we'll, I, I, we'll I internalized. We're not going to go there. I'm sorry. We're not going to go there. Um, gonna go there. Um, regardless, at the end of the day, someone doubted me. And so I think because um, it wasn't from, coming from an affirmative space, I internalized that as well. But I made it through, got a master's degree, graduated with um, um, the top of my cohort. Thank you. Um, and so I ended up sending that professor an email with my graduation announcement in it. And so got an apology, whatever. Um, and then the twin, and then in 2016, I started a doctoral program, and literally in my head, I said, "What the insert some bad words here insert have I gotten myself here? into?" Uh, because I'm like, I barely got a bachelor's degree. What am I doing in a doctoral program? And so for the longest time. I didn't feel good enough, um, but every semester I kept getting good reports. Oh my gosh, Joshua, you are such a great writer! I cannot wait to read your dissertation. All of this affirmation, but yet I still don't feel good enough. So I think imposter syndrome are those internalized feelings of not being good enough um, that sometimes we put on ourselves. But for the most part, um, the environments that we've been in have done that to us. And so I think we have. It kind of goes back to that finding your unapologetic self is you have to find ways to affirm your presence in spaces, uh, but also putting yourself in spaces that are going to do that for you. And so I think for me, uh, navigating imposter syndrome, I'm still navigating it. There are days where I even walk into this office, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But on the flip side, the people that, but, but the people that come around every day, and, you know, it's the small things. They'll be like, you really helped me get through that. Then that affirms, like, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. And so it's gonna it's something that's going to be ever-changing. Um, it's, it's, it may be there for a while. It may come and go. Who knows? But imposter syndrome is just those internal feelings of not being good enough. And, and how you overcome them is, 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 is going to be the, the key. Okay. And this is called imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. All right, so I just want everybody to take a minute to take that in because I felt like Josh was just explaining me to myself. You feel me? There's actually a infographic that I actually shared with Ty maybe a week or so ago um, that, that really breaks it down. Um, I'll send it to you, don't worry. It, I took notes on it, and it helped me see. It helped me actually see things a little bit deeper than just the surface where some of the notes had me really thinking, and, and it just – if you go block by block, it just really allows you to kind of dig deep into yourself and do a, a sort of a self-reflection, and it, it allow you to move forward from there. Because I, I suffered from imposter syndrome, and I still do suffer from it, especially this week. But last week and the week before, um, it hit me hard, and I was like, it, like, what am I doing? Am I supposed to be doing this? And, and all this other stuff. But that that picture definitely allowed me to take some notes, and I, I look at those notes every day to not only remind myself that, you know, look at what you've done and, and look at look at what you could potentially do, but also just to know what not to get myself back into and what holes not to fall back into. So yeah, that, that, that picture, that, and I, we'll, we'll include it in the, in a, um, in a link for the episode. So, um, if anyone else wants to utilize that. And the major key that, 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 that Ty said is that when you are processing imposter syndrome, once you actually go through and write down and make note of what you've actually done, you've actually validated and affirmed yourself in that moment. And so is I think that's the great thing of processing through it and not just sitting in it is that you end up seeing like, wow, like I have done all these things. It just, it may, it may not have gotten done in a way that you dreamed or imagined it to be, but it got done. Um, and it's, it's part of who you are. And so I think that defines the relevancy that define that, that defines your space um, or whatnot. And so it's always, really keeping note of what you've done so that you can see the success that you created. Um, I don't have a question, but I do just want to like tell. Okay. <laughs> I do want to just like tell our listeners that, I mean, if you're like me, I mean, I, 
I have my own mental problems too. Not problems. I don't know what to call them. Maybe mental health concerns. I have my own mental health concerns. Thank you, thank you. But like, I really didn't know that was a thing. Like, I thought that was just me. So, and again, just speaking positivity into black mental health, that imposter syndrome is a thing. Like, don't think that it's just you. I mean, it's real. Like, hearing that just now was affirmation that, okay, there are people who think the same way I think, you know? Mm -hmm. So make sure that y'all keep that in mind and, like, always think about yourself. Like Josh says, and he preaches it into the office consistently that you need to make sure that you take care of you, protect your peace, protect your space. And he's one of the people to help me set my goal in, at the, in the first episode of protecting my peace because it's crazy how a world that looks down on us as we try to strive to prove them different, how it can take a toll on our peace, on our on our space, on our way of thinking, on, on our everything, you know? So protect yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you are not good to yourself, what good are you to other people? Period. I like that. That's a quote for the mirror. So the, the what brought up imposter syndrome was you spoke about your master's program and, and, and the schooling that you've done. You are now um, looking to get your doctorate, um, and you're in the program, and it, it has taken a toll on you. Um, you've had to take a few days off to, to get some papers done. Um, first, kudos to you for making it that far and, and, and making it to this point. But can you talk a little bit about what made you aspire to want your doctorate? Yeah, because um, it's really interesting because it's, it, it's kind of twofold now. So originally, um, I got my doctorate because I think within this this profession of higher education, specifically student affairs, um, there's a table of people and table is symbolic for positions in hierarchy of, of those who make decisions. And a lot of the decisions are being made by people that don't look like us for people that look like us. Black people. Um, black and people. so. Black people, y'all. Black folk. Well, I forget. I'm talking into a mic and not on a camera, so I apologize. <laughs> um, so ultimately, um, I wanted to be in, I, I aspire to be at that table, helping make those decisions. Um, and so, but as I've matriculated through the program, advanced in my career a little bit, I've noticed that that may not be my sphere of influence, um, that I've actually had a strong desire to enter the classroom lately. Um, because what I'm noticing is that when we get into the entry-level positions and we have some people um, that are not prepared to deal with people that are not like them. And so who is teaching these individuals about cultural competency? Who is teaching these people about what inclusion means and what equity means and how that's um, enacted in our spaces such as this um, or whatnot? Because I think there's an expectation and standard that black professionals are are good enough to work with everybody, including black professionals, I mean, black students, um, but then our white counterparts may not always feel comfortable enough to work with black students. And so how are we providing that, that equity from a preparation standpoint? And so um, my, my ultimate goal now is to go into the classroom and educate future student affairs professionals to where when they enter into the workplace, they're equipped with the knowledge that they need to be a resource to all students, regardless of how they identify. Okay, so I'm going to take this conversation as us having a, I keep forgetting that I have to talk into the mic, <sighs> but I'm going to take this conversation as into us just talking as we normally do, and I'm not saying anything to offend anyone, but like, are you basically wanting to teach white people how to deal with black people? I'm not saying that because I, I even think when we talk about our LGBTQIA community, we have some people that only see the world through a cis heterosexual lens. And so they don't see the life of a trans person. They don't see the life of someone that's transitioning or even just figuring out who they are. Mm -hmm. And so really making sure that people know how to be good and be a good resource to all people. What prompted that conversation is a lack of competency when it comes uh, from what I've noticed in my career, what I've noticed from white professionals not knowing how to deal with, with black students, not knowing how to have a developmental conversation without sounding demeaning. 
Um, that's what prompted that conversation. But as I've grown in my career and my profession, I've learned that it's much broader than race. And that I think when we talk about the evolution of identity, um, that a lot of our students who identify as LGBTQIA also don't have valid resources and support. And so how are we educating future professionals to be able to be that regardless? Okay, true. And I've had so many, oh my gosh, I've had so many professors. I feel like this is in my, okay. I've had so, I haven't had so many professors. Let me take that back. But I've had a couple professors that are like that like you were stating, but I don't, I feel like, and not trying to, maybe this is just me talking through how I want you to clarify in my head and make me into a better person as normally we have these conversations. But um, I don't feel like we should have to teach them how to, like, and it just makes it sound so funky. Like, we're teaching them how to deal with us, you know? At the end of the day, diversity is a value. You Mm -hmm. can't teach nobody that they have to believe it mm-hmm. and, and honor it and uh, and inclusion is the same way yeah and so i think equipping somebody with the tools is what i want to do okay what they choose to do with it that's their life decision okay. but i can at least say i done my part um or whatnot but then i, I also think that. that's a challenge to um university administrators and academic department heads and deans to really look at who they're hiring in these positions because this is not something that's just happening here at Coastal. Like, I've seen it at every institution I've been at. This is my fourth institution. And while I haven't been here long enough to learn everything about the place, I but I have you all, and y'all have shared stories with me. Oh, um, honey, but, need to think about but I think back to my very first institution, I literally had a white faculty member call me and say, hey, Joshua, I have these three black men in my class. I'm having trouble getting them to pay attention and blah, 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 and this, that, and the third. Can you come sit in my class and, and kind of help me keep them aligned? I, I, I took a pause. And I took a step back. I looked at the phone and was like, are you serious with yourself? And so I, I took a moment and and I got, I got back on the phone and I said, um, this sounds like a classroom management issue. Um, I think we need to loop your dean into this conversation because I don't think um, I'm not coming into your class to tell these black men how to interact with you. Uh, I think that, that this is a challenge for you to really look, take a step back. And how are you engaging them? Um, are you considering what they're dealing with outside of your class? Um, are you really looking at the full picture here? Um, and so I think for me, that was the defining moment of like, OK. I got to do something because this is not okay Okay. Um, or whatnot. And so I think for me, I'm not trying to teach white people how to do anything. I'm not trying to teach anybody how to be a good person to anybody else because they should already be that to begin with. I'm just trying to equip them with the tools to be successful in living that out. What they choose to do with it, that's on them. But as long as you're doing your part in teaching them and helping them, I mean, you fulfilling your goal. Um, y'all should go watch the show, The Good Place. It's basically about how you can't teach people to be good people. You can't. But, like, they have to choose that. It's and like it's the old sad. saying, you can take a host of water, but you but can't you make can't them drink. But you can't make them drink. Shaking my head. I'm just. That concludes pretty much all the personal, well, actually, no, it doesn't, but I do want to just say this before we continue on. Um, We normally have conversations, just regular conversations every single day. Like, that's just what we do. Um, So I do appreciate you coming on the show to let us record one of those. And this was obviously a tad bit of a scripted conversation. We could have gone off on multiple tangents um, and just talked about anything. We always, it'll turn into just, yeah, but that's just the relationship and and the connection that we've built with each other. But I do want to say thank you for coming on um, and talking about yourself and and, um, experience as well as personal things that uh, not many people would know about you. And and for those who don't know about Josh, and and if you um, do attend Coastal Carolina, stop by the IS office. We're always here. We, it's one big family in the IS office. So at any point, stop by. talk to Josh but um and everyone else in here but I have one more question for you um since this is the Black History Month Beyond series um what does Black History mean to you and to go along with that what does Black History Month or the month of February mean 
Um, black history to me um, is a standard of of excellence when we look at the resiliency that has come out of all of the pioneers um, that have paved the way to where we are now. While there may be some tragic moments or not so happy moments in our history, it's our history. And I think that we, um, we as Americans need to lean into black history more. Um, Cause I think when we look at, um, a lot of the modern things we have today and we root it all the way back that there's somewhere, somehow, some way a black person was involved um, in, in in that movement. And so I think that um, while the month of February is the month that we honor that history, um, I'm a firm believer in 365 black because we honor the rest of history 365 days a year. And so why do we have to limit Black History Month celebration to only the month of February? While that's the we month... Don't that we honor it and recognize it, um, but I'm always finding ways to um, Celebrate to dive into our intersections of identity because oh, there's um, pioneers within the LGBTQIA movement, the pioneers of that were black people. Um, and so there's ways in which we can still honor and recognize black history uh, every other month of the year. And so for me, February is where, as I've seen a lot of T-shirts and memes say, we're blackity, black, black, black. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then the rest of the year um, is where we um, tend to just, you know, still honor and recognize blackness and the excellence that comes along with that. Um, but the month of February is where we extra <laughs> and you're going to get it how it is. And oh, black in its fullness. <laughs> that um i don't huh. have you guys seen the video where it was like the white the white girl was doing something and all of a sudden this black guy comes is like move get out the way it's black history month and just kind of like shoves her to the side yeah there was a few other words that also <laughs> included in that video but we won't say those on this on this uh on this funny. recording i think my that favorite part so of black funny. history month is all the memes, the memes like like y'all doing this on black history month like if a white but, person do something it's like really black history month <laughs> but but at the end of the day i think black, black history month for me is that moment where i really um i'm i'm also a believer um in 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 um how do how i want to phrase it um I tap into the, an the the ancestors a lot, and so I think for me, I'm I'm a different kind of Christian. I say it out loud right now, uh, and that when, when I pray, I pray to the I pray to God, and I channel the ancestors uh, because I think they are um, still influencing how we show up um, and how we maneuver throughout the world. Because I think while we are navigating um, this pandemic around racism, they gave us the strength to endure this. While we would love for it to end. It's not stopping us. It's not going to slow us down. We're going to continue to thrive. We're going to continue to be excellent. And we're going to continue continue to defy everything you say we can't um, or whatnot. And I, so for me, Black History Month, February, is that moment where I really take a step back and reflect and, like, you know, really channel um, my ancestors and really pull their strength to get through the rest of the year. Um, I think back to a conference I went to um, maybe four years ago. Um, and it was centered around black student leadership, but there was an advisor session. And when I tell you we went on this spiritual journey and some may think I'm weird or, or crazy for saying this, but literally the meditation that they took us through took me to a place where I was in this space of, of I don't even know where it was, um, but I was able to hear some empowering words from people that came before me. And I think that influences how I show up because I know that at the end of the day, I'm standing on, on the shoulders of giants. I'm standing on the shoulders of those that paved the way for me as a black man in a leadership role at a predominantly white institution that once didn't want us here. And so for me, this is a moment where I have no choice but to be excellent. Black History Month is that is is that affirmation that we're in the right place. February is... Um, that moment where we really shine and thrive um, or whatnot. And so that was a lot of ramble, but I hope it made sense. Had, like, he was talking about having a Wakanda moment, like a Wakanda moment where he was like doing thingy. No, really. No, no. I mean, for it was kind of like that, but not, not, not as, saying, like, not as dramatic, though, because I mean, it wasn't like the whole sand and it wasn't like what happened. in what you know, when he's going from being. T'Challa to um, the Black Panther, and he goes to the to, to the ancestral realms. He drinks the the uh, the flower, and um, they bury him in the sand. And he wakes. He was talking to his dad. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, 
I don't know why I was thinking of Lion King when um, when it was similar though. So I'm in the right ballpark with this because when when uh, Simba was talking to Mufasa and he was like, "Look to the stars." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're all in the right area. We're in there. Those are similar to each other. Yeah. See, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't think of it at that moment. But yeah. I do appreciate you coming on the podcast, um, letting us pick your brain a little bit and letting other people hear um, about what you have to say because everything you have to say is, is very important, very interesting as well. Um, but there's always something to take away from every conversation that we have, even if it's something small. So, again, I do really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time out on a Sunday to drive over back to the office where you spend majority of your time at. Um, so I do appreciate it, um, and I think you're going to be on the show again, right? Sure, yes. and I'm invited back. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to have you once the series is no, over. I don't and want and to we, I could change my mind. That's sure. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like that. You we wanted a strict answer, like a yeah, I'm going to be back type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I can't it's okay. We'll invite you back though, even though mm. that happens. I don't mm. invite myself to spaces I'm not wanted, so I wait for invites. Oh. We wanted to. I, okay, you know. What, if as long as you want me here, I'll be here. When okay. have I never? When have I ever not shown up for you? Well, when you didn't see me, I'm just playing. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I do thank you. Um, that literally concludes everything. So wait, wait, wait. I just want to thank you for being you. I appreciate that. I want to thank you for being the amazing. Wait, what? The the words that you went through the other day. The amazing alpha male, um, king. To give some context, she was trying to come for my fraternity the other day in the office, and I had to let her know. That ain't what um, that is. For and so she's referring like to the like way that. I speak of my fraternity as distinguished, that, scholarly, yes, yes, great humanitarian, yes, king, kings, kings. Um, it was something else you said that was very funny. Scholars. No, it was like you were like, oh, alpha males and That's alpha men, men, yeah. My bad, okay, I'm sorry. Because you were trying to call us a gorilla. That wasn't what it is. Is that y'all charm mascot? That is y'all's mascot. That's that's a symbol that we, some choose to associate with, yes. Okay, okay, all right. It wasn't me coming for any... But at the end of the day, we're an organization of scholarly men striving to make the world a better place. Yes, he is all of that and more. Thank you for being here. I appreciate y'all. Of course. Another conversation with another great person. I'm extremely grateful, and, and I do truly appreciate the fact that um, Josh took his time out to talk to me and Daya and, and talk about some of the things that we've talked about before, but just do it um, on the podcast for other people to hear because we normally do have some very good conversations um, in the IS office and, and whenever we talk. So um, he always has very, very good advice, and, and there's always something you could take away. So hope you all enjoyed that. Um, this is the second episode of the series, fourth episode of season two. Um, be on the lookout for more episodes. We're, you know, we're knocking them out now. A lot of people have confirmed, um, scheduling is, is, is going on as we, you know, as we post. So, um, there will be more guests and there will be more episodes. So I hope you all are ready. I hope you all are, um, just as excited as I am to hear from a lot of different people, um, but it'll be great. And it, it's only just the beginning. It's only the beginning. So um, as always, give me some feedback. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, let us know if there's someone that you want us to feature on the podcast, anything of the sort. Let us know. Um, you have ways of, of contacting both myself and Daya. So reach out, talk to us, tell us what you think about each episode. And as always, I hope you all enjoy and happy Black History Month. <laughs>